What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. Uh, if I am screaming at the top of my lungs, I apologize that it sounds that way through your speakers. But guess what? We are taping on August 23rd, Tuesday evening, which means, which means, which means we have made it through an entire college football off season. There's football this weekend. There's real life. We are so back, Eric. <laughs> and he's back too. See, he's so excited. He didn't even let me get to the intro to introduce the fact that he is back. There's real life football this weekend. And with that means the return of Mr. David Handel. David, uh, how are you doing, man? It's, it's been a while, man. How, how are you doing? First off, Eric, the return, you keep saying the return. I've been on the last three episodes. Have you? I think what were the last ones? <laughs> let me see. Let me see. I, I could. I could also you, be. No, here's, okay. Okay. Here's the thing. You might be right, but I'm just gonna go ahead and just you know give you a crap right here. You've been gone so damn long through the off season. It feels like I'm doing this podcast by myself. So <laughs> if, 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 if that's what it is, I apologize. But you know what? I'm so fired up and excited. I'm gonna let the past be the past because, as Scott Carr said, it is a new day. And with that. I am going to, you know, put that beside us, right? You know, you've had a busy off season getting engaged and all the things and work and whatnot. So I, I will put it to put it aside and say, I am happy that you are here now. And I know that you are just as fired up, even though the Panthers, your Panthers uh, don't play until next week. I know you're fired up. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know you are. I know you are just as fired up to see, um, to see not not just you know FAU, but really the fact that college ball, live college ball is back this weekend. So I'll, I'll let you take it away from there, buddy. No, yeah, I am. I'm super excited, and, and just like we were on this for maybe seconds before we start recording, and it, it feels surreal. I don't, I don't know if if it's maybe just because I, so much has happened this off season, but this off season almost felt like it just really flew. Or maybe I'm just saying that because we're literally at the week of college football's return. But um, it is, it's almost surreal that it, it does start again this weekend. And I could not be more excited for the new era. Elevate, Eric. It's time to elevate. Oh boy. All right. Okay. All right. Well, those are words, Mr. David Handel. You know, I, I, I can't get that fired up. Anyhow, um, listen, we are uh, coming to you again on August 23rd, Tuesday. Got a really good episode for you tonight. Again, as we mentioned, FIU will open the season next Thursday against Bryant, FCS Bryant. So the FIU episode is coming uh, next week, but we didn't want to not preview the owl. So we will be doing that. We preview FAU season opener against Charlotte. A uh, big time game for both teams, really. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum throughout the offseason. FAU definitely looking to start fast this season. One of the things that, uh, you know, really kind of plagued them. It was really stop and start last year and what ended up being a rather disappointing season for Willie Taggart and the Owls. We just had him on the Underdog Dynasty podcast and he, you know, we tried to talk a little bit about the UCF game coming in and some of the other uh, bigger contests. I said in air quotes bigger contest that they have, but Willie Taggart was focused week zero against Charlotte, a team that also has a lot coming into a lot riding on this game as well. So we got two special guests, a Mr. Kevin Fielder from Owls 247. Uh, and then also the beat writer for the Charlotte 49ers, Mr. Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer. So we'll get to them in a second, but uh, want to, you know, let David and I kind of chime in on a couple things before we toss the interview. David, uh, you've talked about how fired up you are for football season. Do want to ask you this, as far as the FIU side of things, um, hey, we are less than a week away. You know, do, does, does it feel like a new era? I mean, I know we've seen some things on social media that were different. The new uniforms. Have, have we opined on the new uniforms, David, on, on this podcast? I, 
I actually don't think we have. Uh, I, yeah, I know so you, you spoke to it with, with Jonathan. I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, when we spoke, I haven't talked about it. I love them. I, I, I truly love I love the new look of these unis. Um, initially, I was a bit off on the, the panther on the sleeve, but I've grown to I've grown to love it. And I, and I think I, I'm a sucker for 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 like all white unis. I think they look sick, like all white, all black unis like those. Any, anytime we get any of those variations, um, I'm all for it. But um, no, I, I'm, I, I like the new look. Um, it goes with the new era. And, and yeah, I can't wait to see them showcased. Uh, a little, a little over a week from today. There we go. You heard it from David Honnold himself. Uh, two things we wanted to touch on really quick again before we toss it to Kevin and Hunter and my interview with them, breaking down all things Charlotte and FAU. 7 o'clock start Saturday on CBS Sports Network from Boca Raton. Uh, David, again, as I touched on, a, a lot of new things going on. Uh, I believe last night there was an outing at FIU Stadium for the, uh, I'll let you take it away. Cause I, as you know, again, I'm, I, I, I say this, you know, we joke around about me not being a Panther, but I'm seeing all seriousness here. Um, was that an event for like incoming freshmen or all Greek life? Is that something you were, you're familiar with, or was it, is it a new thing? Kind of what are your thoughts on that video? Um, that you saw last night, David. So that is the first time they do something along those lines. And I, I believe it was all Greek life. Um, I could, I, I wasn't at the event, um, it was either Greek life or, and freshman. It might be a combination of both, but it was like a, a quote unquote, like opening night, like meet the players, coaches, and, and they want, and they wanted, you know, the on-campus community to like be involved in, and have something, you know, to, to, to look forward to. Uh, cause I, I think you're right when you, about the freshman thing, but I know for sure it was Greeks. Um, I think it's an awesome awesome event they post they hosted yesterday and it looked packed like i was i was shocked at the amount of people that were there uh which is a good sign it means that not only coach mcintyre but scott carr is is out there getting involved with the you know the uh, the greek life at fiu and trying to get them you know to start attending more games and not just the tailgates and i think they're also "Quote unquote," fixing the tailgates because there, the last couple of years there there have been a few issues that a few complaints really of what they've done there, and I think they're doing a good job in trying to make it more exciting. And and, and I know we've mentioned a few times of how they're trying to make this not only just a game but really an event. And I think that event last night is kind of one step forward to like integrate, start integrating students into listen like. We're, we're going to start hosting cool things like this that, you know, you'll get the chance to meet the coach and, and the players. And now you have an idea of who you're going to be rooting for on Saturdays. And and I, I think it's just a really cool thing um, that definitely, I mean, besides like the spring games, I, I don't think there are any events like that that were hosted prior to the season to get, you know, excitement built up. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's an, an awesome move by Coach McIntyre and Scott Carr. Um, and I think that it went well because it was absolutely slammed. And there was a video post today. Um, I, I know that that social media team is working hard and <laughs> there's something else we'll talk about a little later on. But, um, yeah, man, that is a step in the right direction and a really good sign. And, and hopefully those people turn out next week uh, for the home opener. Listen, uh, when I saw that video, quite frankly, I was uh, I'm very, really stunned. But, you know, I've been covering this team for four seasons. 
I, I don't think I've ever seen what appeared to be, because again, I wasn't there, so I don't know the number, but what appeared to be that many students at a game. So that's why I had to kind of get... 100%. Eric, I haven't seen that many students at the stadium outside of a graduation since like the DY days. There, there you um, go. So take it, take it from David. I'll take it from me. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, and, and even like, and, and Durham, there was still definitely a jump uh, during, you know, Butch's time here. But if he could, if somehow... All a thing. All those people that were at that stadium yesterday showed up. That would be the biggest student size, um, like audience that I've seen at the cage in a long time. Listen, I'll say this. Um, as I said, you know, I haven't seen that kind of turnout, so it definitely caught me by surprise. And I tweeted from the Shulbal account when I saw that. Hey, football game nine one. Be there. Um, if Scott Carr is able to get. And if it's a group effort, it's not just him. But if they're able to get 85% of those students at that game, I am making a promise here on the podcast on here. I will that night, that Thursday, I, I will get a comment from Scott about that reaction that night. Come hell or high water. I will get live reaction from Scott Carr. So stay tuned and for that. Okay. I know David's fired up. We'll have more opining on the FIU episode. So I know the FAU people have to be like, all right, this was been an FAU episode. And we spent 10 minutes talking about Scott Carr's broader script strategy to bring people to the stand. So without further ado, FAU fans, we are bringing you the actual game preview that Mr. Handel and I teased earlier in the episode. We are joined by Mr. Kevin Fielder of Owls247. You can find him on Twitter at the Kevin Fielder and the special guest live from Omaha, but he is the Queen City's favorite son, Mr. Hunter Bailey. You can find him <laughs> on Twitter at Hunter underscore Bailey 45. Hunter, what, what, what where, forgot, you're not a native of Charlotte. What city are you from again specifically? Concord, right? Oh, it's, it's Concord right outside of Charlotte. Yeah. Concord, yeah, I got that right. I got that right, right? Yeah, okay. man. You and, um, you and Reynolds? Yeah, so Reynolds is uh, Davy County, so Moxville, North okay. Carolina. Pretty close. Not, not too far. All right. There we go. I'm, I'm proud of myself. That I nailed down the first try. So, again, cannot thank both you guys enough for making the time here to join us here on the Shul Bowl podcast. Really exciting game coming up here. Uh, not week one, but, in fact, week zero. I think a lot of the storylines that I talked about in the intro are, are you know, kind of uh, applicable for both teams. You know, start with FAU. Certainly looking to rebound from two subpar seasons of bowl gear in the COVID-shortened year, five and four year for Willie Taggart in year one, followed by last year faltering down the stretch, finishing five and seven. Of course, Charlotte. On the other side of things, uh, Will Healy led that program to its first ever bowl game appearance in 2019. Uh, I believe that was uh, they went four out of five or five out of six down the stretch to qualify for a bowl for bowl contention, followed up by a two and four year in the COVID year. And then last year, of course, a uh, disappointing year as well. So uh, I flipped the imaginary coin and we are going to start with our guest. Uh, well, I guess, I guess both of you guys are guests, but uh, our guest in terms of the, uh, the, the podcast landscape, that'd be Mr. Hunter Bailey. So Hunter, uh, just really want to start, you know, can you kind of bring us into the uh, atmosphere of Charlotte, you know, kind of coming off of last year and, and, and more specifically entering this game. And I know we'll talk about an article that's making the rounds in the FAU locker room that you wrote uh, earlier this week, or I think you wrote today, excuse me, that's published today. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but just let you kind of, you know, take us through this Niner program, this Niner team through spring and through fall and now entering uh, week zero. Definitely. So this is the fourth year under Will Healy. 
2021 season was actually, in my opinion, kind of defined by their game against Florida Atlantic. They scored on the last play literally with no time left in the first half to go up nine to seven. They missed the the PAT, which is just kind of fitting. Uh, going to the locker room, and then that team literally never came out. They get outscored in the second half, like 32 to nothing, something like that. Uh, drop five of their last six. And then it turns from four and two, best start in program history, to another five and seven year, the second sub 500 year in a row. Uh, so admittedly, that there kind of puts Will Healy, you take some of the shine off. You take, I mean, we're past the COVID year now. You're going into 2022. They retooled the entire defense. We have an entire new defensive staff here in Charlotte. So it's Greg Brown as defensive coordinator. He's been all over the block. He's been coaching for 40-plus years. Players literally call him an old head, which is just hilarious to me. I can't imagine being dog like that by my kids at practice. But then they brought in Brian Baker to coach the defensive line. He's been at Alabama. He's most recently with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, They brought in some transfers tell about the defense, but really that's still kind of the main question. The offense is back for the most part. You have Chris Reynolds, the big three. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, Grant DuBose, Vic Tucker, Elisha Spencer, three out of the five starters in the offensive line. You're expecting the offense to be the catalyst, and it's really just almost the same story of last season. What is the defense going to be? So I would say – Things are cautiously optimistic because you know you have that rebuild on defense, but at the same time, a lot of those same players are back. So is this scheme going to maximize on their talents or is it going to be another year where you're giving up 14 career highs in a season, which is just never good. So like I say, very, very up in the air right now. And again, as I mentioned, that game is coming to you week zero. It's, of course, a Saturday, 7 o'clock kickoff from FAU Stadium. You can find it on CBS Sports Network. Uh, radio affiliate, of course, for Fox Sports 640 South Florida. Shout out to Ken Levicka, Chris Bartels. Be on the call for FAU. And for Charlotte, find it on 730 The Game. Uh, Matt Sweard, Al Wallace, and Bobby Rosinski on the sidelines. Uh, Hunter, I uh, want to uh, piggyback off of that and ask you this. You kind of touched on a couple of things there. I know it's been uh, kind of low key, a conference USA storyline, which is what is Greg Brown? You know, who is Greg Brown? <laughs> what is he running? Uh, I've had people ask me, what is Greg Brown running? And I'm like, I don't cover Charlotte. I can't tell you. It's interesting. We had Will Healy on the underdog dynasty podcast and he, he, uh, I didn't ask him in specificity about Greg Brown. I just asked him about um, kind of the practice coverage. And he said, Hey, you know, we know we have people who are curious about what we're doing. We've got open practices. If they want to come watch, that's fine. If they have, they have to feel that they, you know, they got to get that time. Okay, uh, Hunter, Hunter Bailey is. is <laughs> I, I won't, I won't out Hunter there, but uh, let's just say um, he. They might I'll, be, uh, I'll touch on it. Uh, okay, well, Hunter will touch on it. Anyhow, to finish up Coach Healy's quote, he said, "You know, if if, if people want to come watch, and that's the 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 route they have to feel to get an advantage on our on our team, that's fine. More power to them." Uh, we're confident in what Greg Brown is doing uh, defensively. So kind of touch on that. I mean, you can touch on Coach Healy's quote, but uh, I think more pertinent to the audience and not just the journalists here, uh, what can we expect from the Charlotte defense? Gotcha. We'll, we'll start with that. Um, like I say, they're returning, I'd say, five or six starters. Marquise Watts is kind of heading up that defense. 
And there's there's a lot of fronts, man. I've I've watched a lot of football in my life, and I will say like the way that this defense lines up, and then what it looks like from the time you know how the offense will check, the defense is also checking. But there's a lot of like a lot of pre-snap motion on the defense, which I'm interested to see and kind of how all that unfolds. But what I will say is ton of different looks, bare fronts, single high safety looks. Like it looks like they're going to leave their corners out on the islands, which is scary for the cornerback play that they've seen. But at the same time, they've also talked about not doing that. Uh, not entirely sure. So I've been to, I would say, about 10 of their practices now. And uh, even I can't exactly tell you what they're running. It's, it's come a long way from spring ball. I remember talking to some of the players during the spring and uh, one of their one of their safeties told me like, "Hey man, we have two coverages right now, so we're kind of we're kind of still installing." Uh, so I've, obviously, they've come a long way since then. Uh, as far as the open practice, man, they they started turning me away. I don't know if I said the wrong thing or what, but uh, they told me to skedaddle. So I, I think I'm gonna call cap on that one. But uh, yeah, uh, to be determined on the defense, they have. The D-line is very similar. They added Amir Sadiq from Central Michigan. They have three completely new linebackers. They played less than 400 snaps this past season, so that group is going to be extremely fresh. And then one of their starting corners from last season, Trey Kramer, is uh, he had a really rough training camp. He's nowhere to be seen on the two deep. I assume he's still going to play just because he has so much experience, but it's, uh, it's kind of dicey at corner. And I, I would be shocked if they don't convert some receivers to corner or some safeties to corner because there's just not not a ton there. Um, so, like I say, we'll see. Defense is defense is going to be going to be out there. Like I say, whatever they run, I'll even be surprised. So excited, excited to go on this adventure with you guys. Couple more questions for you before we flip it to the FAU side of things. Going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. It's funny you mentioned that Trey Creamer is not on the two deep. That was something that I was going to point out here uh, in a second. Uh, Two-part question, Hunter. One, how good is Marquise Watts? You know, he's someone who has posted in the last two full seasons of plays, posted north of 60 tackles and uh, I believe has 20 sacks at that time. 20, excuse me, 20 tackles for loss and believe 14 and a half sacks. Just wrote that game preview. So those numbers are still fresh in my head. So we'll start with Marquise Watts. And the second part of that question is the secondary. Um, we know the struggle it was for the Charlotte secondary last year. So just touch on those two, uh, a little bit more in-depth in the secondary that you mentioned, and then also Marquise Watts. Yeah, so I'll start with Watts. Um, how good is he? I think I've said this before. I would give him give him an 80 to 82 overall on like an NCAA game. I don't, I don't think he'll be in the game. But uh, I think it really depends. I mean, you saw his best season come with the third-round draft pick on the opposite side, Alex Highsmith. Highsmith was seeing a lot of those double teams. He had one-on-ones. He brought in nine and a half sacks. They were one of the best duos in Conference USA. Really, since then, he's been the only the only dude, I'll say, on the defensive line. They had Tyreek Harris. He dealt with some injuries late in his career. But adding Amir Sadiq, uh, it's, it's crazy because Amir Sadiq actually played 250 less snaps than Watts last year and was equally as productive. And so if you add that in and they both can fulfill those numbers from last year and continue to build on that, I would say Watts can be, can be one of the better defensive ends in the conference. But like I say, I mean, if he's seeing those double teams, like he, he's a smaller guy. I mean, you stand next to him and he's, 
I mean, obviously he's imposing. He's a Division One defensive end. Don't get me wrong, but there's like Kofi Wardlow is a Notre Dame transfer, and that guy looks like a P5 dog on the defensive line. So it's like Marquise, his best trait is his quickness, how fast he gets off the ball, and how he can bend around the tackle to really get to the quarterback. So like I say, 80 to 82 overall, that could go way up, could stay about there. Uh, as far as the secondary goes, secondary is very questionable, um, very, very questionable. So two returning corners from last year, Trey Kramer, as I mentioned, and then Giovante Howard. Like I said, Kramer is basically out of the rotation. So it's been Valerian Agbaugh, who's a Kansas transfer, and then Kramer. And I would say Agbaugh, probably the best cover corner on the team. Uh, Giovante Howard is probably the most physical corner. And then Bryson Whitehead, who was also on that two deep, is probably the best overall. And I don't, Whitehead doesn't get a lot of burn, but when he goes up against DeBose, Tucker, Spencer, he holds his own. So that's, that's where I'm, I'm grading off of. Uh, like I, as I mentioned in the, the big three story, the, the training camp has been a repetitive party in the end zone for the receivers. So the DBs have not been providing too much resistance. Uh, but we shall see. That's for sure. Watch out for guys like Doug Williams. He's going to play a lot. And then Lacey Williams uh, will be, will be in the nickel. So lots of new faces, lots of guys with not many reps. So I'll I'll finish with this. They'll go as far as the front four can take them. But if Watson Sadiq can't get that pressure, these boys are in trouble. Final question for you, Hunter, before I pass it over to Kevin for some FAU analysis. Uh, as I mentioned, as I led with, you wrote an article that, again, is uh, making the rounds in the FAU defensive backfield room. I still don't know about this story. I still don't <laughs> know about it. Uh, I, I, excuse me for not having it pulled up in front of me, so I, I don't have the title. But it was published in today's Charlotte Observer. You can find it online. Of course, go to uh, the Observer online and at Hunter underscore Bailey 45. You can find it there at his Twitter page. Uh, essentially, and I won't speak for Hunter. I'll let him allow to, to you know, upon his own article. But the gist of it is he uh, kind of makes a comparison with Charlotte's big three receivers and Vic Tucker, a, a South Florida native from uh, Carroll City High School, Miami Gardens, Florida, Elijah Spencer, the reigning Conference USA freshman of the year out of uh, Irma, South Carolina, and Grant DeBose, kid from Montgomery, Alabama, 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, one of the more unique stories in all of college football, I think you hear a handful of these each year, a guy who uh, was working at Walmart in between college football stops and then ended up at Charlotte and now is one of the top group of five receivers in terms of uh, draft potential, a guy who certainly has the, the uh, eyes of uh, NFL scouts and certainly has the size of 6200. Hunter, can you talk about that article a little bit and, you know, the parallel you uh, you drew there? Um, I, I thought it was a fine article, but uh, apparently, you know, it, it's ruffled some feathers here in South Florida. Hey, that's when you, when you told me that uh, I was cracking up, man, because they uh, I was talking to DeBose after practice one day and just and I just I mentioned about the DBs like he just dogs them at practice like it doesn't matter where you throw the ball it doesn't matter if it's in a double coverage it's ridiculous and that's part of the reason that I'm on the Grant DeBose hype train um, he mentioned post practice that him Tucker and Spencer were calling themselves the big three and so of course I asked okay so who's who if you're gonna if you're gonna say that well so he went on to elaborate that Tucker being the vet D Wade and then Elijah Spencer is kind of the third, that guy Bosch. 
I'm not sure how Tucker feels about it. I haven't got the chance to pick his brain. I feel like he probably thinks he's also Braun, just knowing Vic. Uh, but Elijah Spencer said he was cool with being Bosch for now. Uh, but it just felt fitting. So, I mean, you're going to call yourself the big three. Guys, obviously, you have two Blitnikoff candidates in the room, Conference USA freshman of the year. The hype around them is there. And then just watching them work at practice, you know that – it's real. You got to see it on, on film last year. Obviously, Tucker dealt with some injuries, had a down season. But any any of these guys, in my opinion, could be a thousand yard receiver. I don't think that more than you know one or two of them could get that this season. But yeah, definitely definitely ruffled some feathers. And it's hilarious to me that it's that's in the locker room. That uh that made my day, honestly. So really quick before I pass it to Kevin, uh, I want to provide some background for uh, our listeners here, specifically the FAU and maybe the FIU listeners who are listening as well. Uh, I'm going to play some sound from Grant DeBose in a second, uh, him when he had the mic at the spring game. But also I want to give one of my favorite Vic Tucker quotes, which uh, Hunter asked this question to Conference USA Media Days ago when he asked Vic Tucker who was the top DB in CUSA that he's faced. And Vic gave the all-time classic quote, which is, I'm focused on myself. Ain't none of them good. Can't none of them good. <laughs> yeah. Which is a classic oh, uh, Miami, Florida, Carroll City quote. And we're going to play a little sound from Grant DeBose here so you get a feel for him as well. Uh, so you get an idea of the confidence as far as these two guys. Uh, I will link that. We'll probably have David soup up that audio a little bit so we can get it uh, a little more enhanced. But uh, I-, I will link that in the uh, in the podcast. Uh, that's Grant DeBose. Uh, will Healy actually gave a mic. And his, his explanation, I know Hunter was there, so I'm a pine as well. But Will Healy said his explanation was, you know, sometimes the spring game can get a little boring, so why not spice it up a little bit? But he did say he probably would have taken the mic away from Grant a little bit quicker than he did. Hunter, uh, thoughts on that for our pastor, Kevin? So, Grant, the uh, the first practice that I got to this this offseason, I guess probably a couple months ago, it was just seven-on-seven seven work. And he goes up, one hand catches over two guys, and then immediately runs over. I'm standing with Healy, immediately runs over. I couldn't tell if he was talking to me, coach, or both of us, and just goes – the defense, they have to celebrate their plays because they don't make any. And I was just like, damn. Like, he's telling them in the game, it needs two of y'all to guard me. And, I mean, he's not he's not wrong. I'm not going to say that. But, no, he's definitely definitely the confidence grew. I mean, when he – you should, you guys should check out the interview uh, post the Duke game when he really broke onto the scene. You could just see, like, the, the humble guy, like, okay, I haven't been here before. This is crazy. So it's blown up, but the, what I will say with it is like he's, his work ethic has blown up. He's been all over the field. Coaches have raved about him in the film room, bringing guys to the side for extra work. So he's, uh, he's definitely talking the talk and this is, this is a big season in terms of if he's going to walk the walk alongside that, but uh, we shall see. All right. Uh, passing over to the pride of Lake Worth, Florida, Mr. Kevin Fielder, Kevin, 
Uh, why don't you go ahead and take us through? I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot of FAU on this podcast in the offseason, but uh, you are there on the ground every day. As a matter of fact, you were at campus all day, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier in this podcast. So uh, just brings up the speed as far as, you know, not necessarily the Owls offseason, but kind of uh, where they are this week entering uh, Saturday's game. I think it's abundantly clear that there's this new kind of excitement around FAU's team. And, you know, I think it may very well be when you finish five and seven, like you did last year and lose the last four games, uh, you know, you go into the off season with a different, completely different mindset. And, you know, what FAU really has done is reset. Uh, you know, they, when, when you hit the reset button, like they have, it adds extra excitement and, you know, being able to play week zero and in an important game as every single coach that we've talked to and every single player that we've talked to, you know, this is a very important game for FAU. And they, they honestly believe that this is going to be the big game that may define their entire season in the sense that, you know, you're playing week zero against a team like Charlotte who have the three best, maybe the three best wide receivers as they may want to call themselves. Uh, but, uh, my my thing is maybe don't give the the FAU defensive backs some more some more motivation because this group is already one with a whole bunch of chips on their shoulder after after last season. But you know I, I think the biggest thing is there's a, a new buzz in FAU, and I, I think it all starts you know with being able to right the wrongs from last year, and it started off with a conference game, and you know chance to go one and zero in the conference is going to be the biggest thing for FAU. So, Kevin, really quick, I want to piggyback off something you said before we get into this week's specific matchup. When we talked to Willie Taggart on the UDD podcast, uh, we tried to get him to talk a little bit about some of the matchups down the road, specifically the UCF contest. Uh, certainly a few more high-profile matchups. I say that in air quotes, uh, more high-profile matchups as opposed to this one. He wanted no part of it. Same thing with Will Healy as well, but was in specificity with Coach Taggart. Uh, he talked about this game. Is there that feeling that, you know, hey, I mean – one game is not going to make or break your season, but how crucial is it for FAU to come out with a win? I, I think it may very well be, and no coach or player is going to say this out loud. This may very well be their most important game in the season. You know, when, when you start uh, and, and look at where last season went wrong, and particularly in their last four conference games, it's not being able to consistently put together consist, uh, drives of, you know, points or, you know, even could sustain any sort of attack. This is a chance for FAU to come out there against a conference opponent, one that may very well be at the top of Conference USA or around the top. Or, you know, I, I think there's a lot of question marks in Charlotte. But, you know, in the case of FAU, it's this is their chance to right every wrong and show fans and show, you know, doubters that this is a team that needs to be worried about. And, you know, it, there hasn't been a chance all offseason to do that. So for them, it's, you know, a chance to put together a really good performance against a conference opponent and something that Willie Tigers talked about since he's gotten to FAU is we have to win our conference games. You know, those, those out of conference games are good to win. They can provide momentum, but nothing will matter if we don't win those conference games. And, you know, it was something that we talked about last year after they lost to air force in the, in, in a very weird game for FAU, but after they lost it, the, the message was clear, you know, we've got six or seven conference games left. We got to win those. So for FAU, it's, we got a conference game to start the year. We have to find a way to win it, and they have to find a way to, you know, sustain something on, on both sides of the ball and not be so inconsistent. Kevin, uh, I had planned when doing my prep for this podcast to really kind of hone in on the offense, but the initial FAU two deep was released shortly before we started taping. Uh, I'm just going to ask you point blank, in your opinion, why are there so many oars? 
I thought that this would be a unit that was pretty solid. So I'll let you opine and take away from there. Uh, I think it's this idea that coaches need to hide every single chip that they have. Uh, do I think that there are as many positions up for grabs on FAU's roster as the two deep may suggest? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I think on the offensive side of the ball, the only position that may very well be up for grabs is the tight end room. Uh, you know, I, I think the rest of it is sort of figured out on the defensive side. You have a little bit more in terms of the, the the front seven that needs to be figured out, particularly on the defensive line. But I was initially shocked by the amount of oars too. I, I thought that we would have some sort of explanation about who is going to start at any single one of the positions on the football field, except for quarterback. Uh, and frankly, we don't have any clarification outside of who's starting at quarterback and, <laughs> I, I really don't know why they why they decided to just use the, the the word or so liberally. I mean, it was pretty insane when I first looked at it. While we're here on the defensive side, Kevin, uh, let's go to the secondary because as Hunter talked about, that's going to be a very crucial matchup. And one of the things that I think as high as I am on this FAU secondary, one of the things that is kind of easy to forget is it's not the biggest secondary in the world. I mean, Smoke Munge is the kid from here in, in Tampa who I know is listed at 5'9", probably closer to 5'8", a buck 70. Uh, even TJ Young stood next to him at media days. TJ Young was listed at 5'11". I think probably close at 5'10", 5'11", range. Yeah. But, but overall, um, again, a very talented secondary, but a smaller secondary. And you look at all the, the players for Charlotte. While I don't think Vic is at six foot, I'll let Hunter say yeah or nay on that. But I do think Grant DeBose and Elijah Spencer are a little bit close to their listed heights. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Maybe some of the challenge you may have in guarding some of the uh, bigger wideouts. And um, uh, Taylor Thompson as well, the tight end. Yeah, I mean, it is a very small room. And looking just at the cornerback room, there is one guy above six foot who is likely to get playing time this year, and that's transfer Michael Anton, who's listed at six foot. Honestly, he may very well be 5'11", too. I mean, this is a small group in terms of what we're seeing in college football now with all these big DBs. You've got six foot four DBs at certain schools. And I think the biggest thing is what FAU doesn't have in height, they've got in this physicality in certain guys. Smoke Bungeon may very well be five foot eight but he plays like he's six foot two and he is not afraid to get in your face and you know break up a pass or you know draw 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 a penalty there is so many things that he he kind of makes up for in that lack of height with his physicality and you know particularly athleticism you know that is a very athletic cornerback room and you know smoke and damon hill the, the transfer from central michigan and uh, redshirt freshman Jaden williams these are all really athletic guys who offer something in terms of matching speed wise uh you know there were times last year where they got beat just on deep balls uh, you know i remember the Corey gamage game against marshall where Corey gamage eric is probably what six foot two six foot three and you know a, a legit very, six, two, six, three. Yeah, yeah very close to his listed height uh, i don't know exactly what it is on marshall's roster but he's very close to it and he was able to get these jump ball passes against fau because if you just didn't have the size to match up with him but you know, I, I think that there are obviously ways you can hide size, and they've done that. Uh, but it, it will be interesting to see how they sort of try and hide it against a team like Charlotte because, uh, you know, they, they sort of need to find a way to get the athleticism involved. And it may very well come down to just pressing a lot. Uh, you know, Todd Orlando is a very aggressive defensive coordinator, and he likes to leave the cornerbacks on islands and let them play. So, uh, you know, it may very well just come down to them being more athletic. And, and that's sort of how I think they're going to win a lot of games. Uh, and then having a guy like TJ Young in the back end who can just lead everything, you know, uh, Coach Orlando, Coach Taggart have called, have called him the quarterback of the defense. They've said he could, you know, be a coach in the future if he wanted to. There is nothing that he can't sort of recognize before it comes. 
but the, the size is a very major thing to watch throughout the year, especially because you don't have anyone who's above six foot in that cornerback room. If you just join us again, we are joined by Kevin Fielder of Owls 247. Also does some fine AAC work for Underdog <laughs> Dynasty. Uh, Kevin, don't use to me, give me complimenting you. And then we also have on the other side of things, Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer. Kevin, let's go to the running back room. It's something that I've made a lot of over the past few years, specificity, in, in specificity, Willie Taggart's tenure. Um, now, I, I, I guess I'll first ask, was it a surprise? It was to those of us on the outside. Was a surprise. Was it a surprise to you that Larry McCammon, the uh, former Hoover High star, uh, just get the nod as RB one over Johnny Ford? And two, how do you see those reps kind of playing out, specifically uh, week one or week zero? I should say. I think if you had asked me if it was surprising back in spring, I would have told you that it was surprising because Johnny Ford was the out now guy last year. But throughout camp, you know, it was clear that Larry McCammon was playing really well through what we were told by coach Dearman, coach Taggart, and even other running backs in the room, you know, it was very clear that Larry McCammon had taken this next step. So when the two deep was released and when he told us on Monday that Larry McCammon is going to be the starter, I, I wasn't particularly surprised. Uh, the thing that is going to be interesting is how many staffs does he truly get as the RB one? Because Brent Dearman has historically liked to use multiple running backs and like to get multiple guys involved in that room. And, uh, you know, something that I, I I sort of recognized when when looking at the room was there are so many different flavors in that room. There are so many different guys in that room that offer different skill sets. You know, Johnny Ford is this really electrifying playmaker who can, you know, beat guys for 75 yards. Larry, Larry McCammon is a guy who's going to put his his head down and try and truck you and make you look silly. Uh, and then th- then you have guys like Marvin Scott who are sort of a blend of the two and Kelvin Dean who may very well be similar. But this is a room that has so many different flavors that it's going to be interesting to see who gets the most carries and i very well think it may be down to just a game time decision of which guy which which guy's feeling himself and and which one is is putting together the best performance as who gets the most carries in any given day last one kevin before we kind of get some fun questions and of course a uh, prediction if you guys would like uh who is a player on the fau offense that we have not talked about that we should be talking about entering week zero you know, I've been banging the table for this guy since he was being recruited by FAU, and this was down two years ago. And, uh, you know, for, uh, redshirt freshman wide receiver Jamal Ladrine. This is a guy who didn't get to play much last year because of injury, but, you know, he's come in through camp and he's looked impressive. And he is, uh, you know, what they don't have in size in the cornerback room, they have in size in the wide receiver room. And Jamal Ladrine is sort of the perfect example of that because he is a very legit six foot two or whatever they have him listed. He's very close to that. Uh, you know, he, He's athletic. He offers that jump ball ability, and he's he's a big play guy. Uh, I remember watching a game of him in high school where he had two touchdowns called back of like seventy five yards because of uh, you know offensive penalties on the other side of the field. You know, this is a guy who could make big time plays, and I think it was a guy that FAU was really excited to get in their recruiting class two years ago. Uh, you know, and should have contributed last year, but just wasn't able to. Now a starter on this offense, and I, I think that. With this new offense and with the opportunity to take some of the uh, some of the shares away from uh, you know the 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 duo of Jaquan Burton and Lejonte Western, there is no better guy in that room right now who can surprise some people in Conference USA. Makes sense. All right, so we're going to do this on the fly here. If both of you guys decline, I will give my preview. Uh, both of you guys, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Do you feel comfortable giving a a uh, prediction on this podcast? All right, we got two thumbs up. Let's start with our guest, Hunter. Uh, what you got? Oof, 
I'm going to say it's going to be really high scoring. I think both defenses are kind of up in the air. We talked about the oars on FAU's defense. You guys should really check out the oars on Charlotte's defense. It's <laughs> Every ridiculous. single position. They have two starters. They have two starters that are named, and it's the defensive ends. Everyone else is an oar, literally. Uh, so I'm going to say 42 to 38 Charlotte. Lots of points. Great game. Close game. Uh, comes down to it for sure. All right, Kevin, it's on you. I think if everything we're hearing out of FAU, and obviously every coach is going to say they like their depth and every team, every coach is going to like where they are at week zero. I think this is a different FAU team. And I well and truly want to think that, you know, the the struggles of last year was behind them. And I think that they show this week that this is a different FAU team. And I think that they beat Charlotte. Uh, I, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be has, uh, you know, high scoring, not as high scoring as Hunter had with the team going into the forties, but I think it'll be, uh, 33 to 24 FAU. And I think that you're going to see this new offense look like a consistent college football offense, which they've been lacking for the last two years. I will, I will add the reason the score is so high is I think Charlotte's best chance, or at least it has been is to win in shootouts. That's very true. Also, so it's pretty much just like FAU might as well score five touchdowns. Uh, but you know, we'll see. Also, just just real quick, uh, you know, we, we talked about the confidence of Charlotte's wide receivers. There may be no wide receiver in college football who's more confident than Tamala Dream because when we spoke to him in camp, uh, someone asked him what his personal goals were for the season, and he said, without hesitation, to be the best wide receiver in the country. And just kept going on about how he wanted to win the Bolitnikov, how he wanted to win the Heisman, and there is no guy who is as confident as I've seen him be. Uh, you know, for a guy who did not get to play much last year, but also I, I just love confidence out of wide receivers because I think it it, it makes the difference sometimes. Uh, Kevin, uh, I, I think it's a little short sighted on you to say there is not a more confident receiver in the nation. Oh, right, uh, because the most confident Jason. receiver in the nation approved your shirt at media day. I, yes, yes. I, I will say that that man's most confident player in all of college football. But I digress. Um, maybe the most confident guy in all the football period <laughs> yeah uh, that's, a, that's a bit of an inside joke uh, i'm referring to fiu's tyrese chambers who uh, uh approved kevin's hawaiian shirt at media day it was a fine hawaiian shirt by the way all right i'll quickly give my prediction and we'll jump into some fun stuff here really quick uh i have this one as 31 27 florida atlantic i think that fa's defense will find a way to make enough stops uh when it matters but i do think the weeks and points on the scoreboard just because of some of the questions on charlotte's defense and you know in terms of uh, FAU, listen, while that is a very talented defense, you know, Evan Anderson, TJ Young, Jalen Joyner, and others, uh, you're not going to stop those three receivers the entire game. So I do think they will put up some points. All right, going to do a couple quick hits here and I'll get us out of here and uh, we'll close up the show here in a few. Going to start with uh, Kevin. Kevin, what is the most memorable uh, game you've covered in your uh, career? Oh, God. Um, there's been a lot of them. So, uh, it's actually not an FAU game. It's a, a Miami game. Uh, Manny Diaz's tenure was not great at Miami, but there was one game where they played Virginia Tech at home, and they were down like 14 uh, going into the fourth quarter. Then we were able to tie the game up, then allowed a long touchdown with like a minute left to take, uh, you know, to, to lose the lead. Then they scored again to, to take the lead again and then missed a field goal to win the game. Uh, in very true Manny Diaz, Miami fashion of not being able to consistently finish games. But, uh, very memorable one in the sense of no one knew it was happening up until the final 20 seconds when uh, Virginia Tech, I think, hit a game-winning goal from like 30 yards out. Hunter, it's on you, sir. 
I would say probably Duke Charlotte last year, and not just because first power five win the uh, year prior, the COVID year, uh, Charlotte went two and four and their last game, the last road game of the season, they played at Duke and uh, going into that the players had a circle and, you know, we're going to go down there, we're going to get the stub, Duke, absolute dogs. I think it was like 56 to 23 or something like that. Um, so then really you go into the off season with that taste in your mouth and then coming out in that game, can't even remember his name. I'm blanking on that running back, but he runs for 255 yards. Mateo Durant. And, that's his name. Yeah, back and forth. Literally, I think it was three lead changes in the past or in the last two minutes. That was the Grant DeBose breakout game. And then Charlotte gets that power five win. It was also like the loudest experience at Jerry Richardson Stadium that I've that I've had. So it was definitely a lot of fun. Kevin answered this question on a UDD podcast. I'm going to come with a different question for him. Hunter, uh, most awkward press conference? It was actually after the FAU game last year. Uh, nobody? Okay, so there were probably, let's say, between seven and ten media members in the room. Uh, nobody said a word. <laughs> Healy walked in, and he was like, I'm good. Like, let me have it. Nobody says anything. And I asked. There were five questions asked, and I asked every single one. No one, no one said anything, and it, he was literally just sitting there, like, like the quote that I remember the most from it was uh, talking about how Willie Taggart had the keys to his heart in his hands on the side of the game. And uh, when he said that, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to ask any more questions. I'm going to let this one go. So yeah, probably that. Real quick, before I pass it to Kevin, that's always awkward. I've been in that scenario before. But, uh, like, you know, Hunter, so you weren't there at Media Days. We kind of lived that uh, in a sense. So Kevin can vouch for this. When each team went up there, there was kind of a hesitation. I mean, I, I didn't go to some of the, the – the, I didn't go to all – I didn't go to UTSA or Charlotte's room. But there was kind of a hesitation for the questions to get started. And, Kevin, did you notice this where it was kind of incumbent upon – uh, each team's representative beat writer was there to kind of start the questioning. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of awkward. It was like starting the question for FIU. And, you know, they brought Tyrese and, and Donovan and Mac. And I was like, all right, I guess, yeah. all right, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off here. You know, I'm going to ask these same questions in three days, but sure. <laughs> so, yeah. The, the only one, the only one that was interestingly not like that was Will Healy. And I think that's because he came in and just started talking. And when yeah. Will Healy just starts talking, everyone just sort of starts laughing. And yeah. uh, he, he said some very crazy stuff in the beginning. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he sort of calmed down the entire room. And then uh, we started talking about Outback Ranch. So it, it sort of did delve into a media day press conference but by the end of it. but It was, it was pretty funny. Vic Tucker, I saw him at uh, practice later that week. And uh, I, I tuned in via Zoom and asked a couple questions. And he goes, he heard them say question from Hunter Bailey, and he said he was cracking up. He was like, Hunter's going to get his questions. You know that. I was like, man, this is is tough. (laughs) It's media day, of course. (laughs) All right. The final uh, final round for both of you guys. Start with Kevin. Kevin, I need a top five artist in the game right now. Who you got? Uh, ooh, ooh. Um, in no order. Let's be clear. No, in no order. order. If, if I say this is in order or of any kind, I'll get ratioed re- for days. Re- re- really quick, because I'm the host of this podcast. One of y'all say Rod Wave. I'm in this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> he is not in my top five. I think sure. he's very good. He's not in my top five. Uh, top five is probably Kendrick still. Um, 
even if the last album was not amazing. Uh, I think it's got to be Lil Baby with the, the stuff he's released in the past. Um, oh, God, you're really putting me on the spot here. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been really in on a new rapper, uh, Chris Patrick. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of him. He's, he's really good. Uh, God. Um, geez. Uh, God. Uh, give me 21 Savage and... Uh, Hmm. Um, Baby Keem. There we go. All right, Hunter, you're up. Uh, all right, no order again. We'll go Mac Miller, RIP. Uh, J. Cole, you mentioned Lil Baby and Kendrick. And then we'll probably get flamed for this, but I like Billie Eilish, so I rock with her. <laughs> that is that is surprising. I, I will say I did not expect Billie Eilish's name to be hey, dropped on this, but Billie, I, Billie I I'll good allow music, it. Man. She's good. She's good. Yeah, I'll man. allow it. I, I mean, if we're talking rappers, I would put Drake there, but like overall artists, I'm gonna throw her there. But this is Hunter. You know, when I catch you later this year up in Charlotte, Emily is going to be uh, uh you know roasting us for whatever our choices are. So we got, might as well get that out there on Front Street right now. Uh, cannot thank these guys enough for making the time. Hunter from the West Coast, Kevin from South Florida. Appreciate y'all having me. Or, well, we'll try this again. Uh, I appreciate you guys having on. You guys didn't have me on. I appreciate you guys <laughs> on. Uh, again, you can find Kevin's work at the Kevin Fielder, because, of course, he is the Kevin I'm, Fielder. I'm the only one. I'm He's the only one. The only one out there. And uh, Mr. Hunter Bailey uh, at hunter underscore bailey 45 he is of the charlotte observer and of course kevin owls 247 hey everybody david hondel here just jumping in i do want to give another thank you to kevin and hunter for joining us to do that fau charlotte preview obviously fau is one of those teams that is kicking off the college football season this year week zero and man i can't be more excited that college football is finally here but i'm going to give you a little backstory of why i'm even recording this is because Eric and I's initial plan was, you know, come on, do a little intro, talk FIU for maybe five minutes before we hand it off to FAU. And then in classic us fashion, went super long, so I decided to cut it halfway to give FAU more of the focus as their game is this weekend. So we're going to be tacking on the second half of that quote-unquote intro right here. So enjoy the rest of it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and- and the thing is also, and, and this is something that that I think is, su- is super important, um, and I think that they're going about the right way, is that obviously FIU is a big commuter school. A lot of people from the South Florida area, they drive there. Th- those people usually, you know, there's probably a smaller percentage of those um, who do go to the games. But for that, for that crew to really start picking away at the commuter percentage of the students i think that has more to do with winning but i think what the the route that they're going which i think is the smart route is target one incoming freshmen and two those who live on campus and greek life like those who are already involved at fiu they're they're already there a lot obviously those who live there is a huge you know number and that new dorm that just went up that looks incredible uh just getting those like if you just got all the people that lived on campus or at least 80% of them, let's even lower, like 60% of them, it would still be a huge number of, of fans at the game. And I think that's the, 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 like the, like the fan base that I think 
Scott Carr is like aiming for currently. And it's, I think it's the right move. Not saying that he's like not going for the rest of the school. I'm sure he wants everybody there, but I'm saying, I think it's a smart move that he started with getting those people that are already involved, those people that live on campus and those incoming freshmen, because a lot of them, you know, they, they either, a lot of them are coming to Miami. They don't know, you know, too much about a fight football. So there's an opportunity to not to get those that are not affiliated that aren't born here that are like either fans of UN, UF, FSU, like you're getting a new audience and you can get them excited. So I think I think that's an awesome strategy. And and I, I could be, you know, totally making it up that that's not a strategy. But it, from what I've seen from these events, especially this event last night, I think that is a strategy. I think it's a smart move. Yeah, David. So a lot of great things you touched on there. And again, you know, we obviously are coming off the the previous segment in which we talked with. Uh, Kevin and Hunter about FAU and Charlotte. And those are two programs that really have um, established student fan bases, right? But FIU is still establishing there. So I think all of the points there you made are really spot on and succinct. Um, and even, you know, myself as someone who, you know, came from a university in which the one thing you never had to question was student attendance. And it was all the things that you touched on right there's really what drove it. You know, you can make the same argument <laughs> about a commuter school. Uh, FIU and UCF. Now, UCF has much more student living within a general, you know, five, six mile radius than FIU does, which is still kind of getting off the ground. But still, uh, I think your overall point is well made there. Uh, So we do want to touch on one thing, one last thing before we close up this episode, David. Uh, Live reaction. Again, we we started this episode by talking about, you know, how fired up we were for the return of college football and some of the new things that FIU is doing before we toss to the the preview with Kevin and Hunters versus FIU and Charlotte. But uh, FIU football actually dropped a uh, dropped a video on Twitter uh, tonight, uh, a little earlier before we were taping this. And I want to get your thoughts because it's something new that caught my attention. I know I hadn't seen them do this before. So I want to get your thoughts, uh, David. I've seen them, you know, when they drop highlight videos, you know, maybe they're not as um, – I don't want to, you know, again, critique the the old regime, right? Because, I mean, the people I'm talking about here are not Pete Garcia for, for full disclosure. Um, but – I just want to get your thoughts on this video as far as if it seems like an evolution or a change or an upgrade for what you've seen in the past. And what caught my attention was the music choice. That was something that I hadn't seen in my time covering FIU. So let's get the live reaction, David. All right, let's do this. I'm about to play right now. Oh yeah, you're right, Eric. It's like actual lyrics. <laughs> Let's go! Oh man. Oh, Eric. Eric, you understand? If you can see me right now, I'm jumping. <laughs> And I love, I love that they're using that logo more. The one that they use at the end of just the panther head. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, Eric, I've got goosebumps. So, so David, oh man, really suited up. Really quick, kind of give you the reason why that stood out to me is I know that may seem simplistic for some of our listeners, but David, correct me if I'm wrong. That video felt more like if you're a, a high school junior or senior and you're cutting up your highlight tapes, or even if you're, you know, a college kid cutting up your, your, your highlight tapes, that looked and felt more like that as opposed to maybe the previous uh, videos that's felt a little more, I don't know, generic. Is, is that is that a fair 
Is that a reach or is that fair on my part, David? No, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, granted, they, they, they've done things in the past. Like, like the, the one that really stands out to me was the one they did before the UM game with the Miami Knights uniform. Yeah, sure. That was, that was a pretty cool video. That was, that was well done. Yeah. But, but when it comes to like preseason, like, like offseason hype, like where this is like, you know, a bunch of practice clips and, and just like, I don't know, just like the, the, the um, it, it, it just works. It, and, and it does, I, I do get what you're saying. And it, and it, it just, and it might not be, but it feels like more effort has been put into it to like, add a different sense of, I don't know, kind of like swagger to it. And it, right, it was a cool right. video. I mean, and, that's, and it's something that they're definitely doing a lot more because um, I, I don't think I've seen the FIU account post as much as they do as they have done this offseason, at least within the last couple of months. Um, so I think it's really cool. And they've utilized, utilized like a lot of cool graphics. Like even when they announced the captains today, they had a cool graphic to go along with it. Um, so I think they're doing a lot of cool things there. And as someone who work, literally works in marketing, it's something cool to see as like the nerdy marketing guy. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty cool to see, you know, and, and this is definitely something like, dude, if I was still in college and I'm, I'm pumped up right now and I'm out of college, but if I'm like a, an incoming freshman or like, yeah, I'm like a high school kid, this, this stuff pumps me up. Like this is, that was a cool video. I, it was, it was well done. So there you have it. You heard from the man, David Handel himself, you know, he is a fan of the new direction and the next episode that we will do, will be the start of the new era, uh, our Bryant FIU preview that will be coming next week. So again, want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Kevin Fielder of Owls247. Thank you to Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer for joining us. And thank you, mostly, uh, FIU fans who listen to this. FAU fans, again, I, I feel the need to make this declaration every podcast. I know that, you know, we lost Shane and Shane is on to bigger and better things working for the program. We're going to do our best to try to uh, fulfill that half of the Fuel Bowl rivalry, whether it is, you know, me providing certain things on FAU or Kevin Fielder, uh, Zach Weinberger. We're going to bring on some other people as well. So, again, appreciate you guys staying patient with us, and we're going to try to do this as best we can uh, throughout the entire season because, you know, we are fired up for football season on both sides of the Shield Bowl rivalry. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel321. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. Uh, find the podcast at all of your various podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, etc. You can find us there. And last but not least, shout out Ethan Skolnick, Five Reason Sports on Twitter and website at the number five reason sports. Thank you for listening. And I get to say, because we're here, happy football watching, everybody. Happy football watching.